Nehemiah chapter 8. We're going to look at Nehemiah chapter 8. And if you don't have a Bible, we invite you to take one. You could take one of the black Bibles in one of the chairs. If you don't have one, you need one, we'd invite you to take one. And it's a gift from us. And if you're there, you can turn to page 403. 403 in the black Bible. I'm going to preach this sermon and next Sunday that relate to kind of a a summer series on the life of the church. This one has to do with the life of the church being in the Word of God together, then in the life of the church in our church covenants, and then starting in September, we're going to finish out the series on the life of David in 1st and 2nd Samuel, and so we're at the end of 1st Samuel, and we're going to jump back into 1st Samuel Again, in September, on September 9th, Lord willing. Did you, did you pray with me just a minute ago or a few minutes ago when we, we prayed this? Prepare our hearts, O God, and help us to receive. Break the hard and stony ground. Help our unbelief. God, would you plant your word down deep in us, cause it, it to bear fruit? Open up our ears to hear. Lead us in your truth. Show us Christ, God. Show us Christ. Reveal your glory through the preaching of your word until every heart confess Christ as Lord. Your word is a living light upon our darkened eyes. It guards us through temptation and makes the simple wise. Your word is the food for famished ones, freedom from the slaves, riches for the needy soul. Come, God, speak to us today. I pray that you and I would make that our prayer, not just this morning before the preaching of God's word, but we would make that the prayer of the, our, our daily pursuit of seeking God with all our heart and all our life. This morning I'm going to I want to give a pastoral challenge to you from God's Word on the Word of God. A few weeks ago, I challenged you towards private devotions or your quiet time or devotional life. Our covenant says that we will be committed to do that because we need God every day, all the time. We need His life. That led to someone coming to us and say, what if we do a challenge all together? We, We just seek to hold each other accountable of just getting into God's Word. I said, Yes, let's seek to apply God's word that way. And so just a simple 30-30 challenge came out of it. I, I pray this and I mean this. If every single one of you in this room and all of the kids that can read, take a bracelet and for 30 days read the Bible for 30 minutes at least or read and pray, if everyone did it at one level, that would be fantastic. I really don't care about any type of statistics of everybody doing it, and not everybody will be able to do it or will do it. But every single person could do that, and it would be completely worth it. Unless the Holy Spirit enlivens the reading of God's Word and works in our midst in a mighty way. And so I plead with you to join with us to pray that, God, would you so do a mighty work in our lives. I like trees. I know some of you love trees. I, I would love to go out to 
California and see the redwoods out there. Anybody ever see those? Any, any real person besides a picture? Some of you? I'd love to do that. I'd love to gather a whole family and see how we don't even get around one tree and get those pictures and post on Facebook. Those are strong trees. Those are big trees. Those trees are trees that get root roots go deep and far. They go high, very high, almost it seems like to the clouds. And, well, they're big. I, I grew up in a property of 160 acres of pine trees and oak trees, and then we had poplar trees. Those trees would grow up really quick, and you could go up to these trees that are this size, and you could push them down almost very easy, and they, uh, they were weak. They, they didn't have roots that went deep. They weren't strong. It's easy to, it is easy to live our Christian life being more like a poplar tree than slowly and surely, by God's grace, growing to be like a redwood and growing deep. Know that God would cause us to be a people. No matter whether, what age you are and you have been gone through most of your life saying, the Word of God, I just have a hard time reading the Bible. I remember years ago talking to someone in my former church and I asked him, I said, do you read your Bible? And he said, I read it once, so I don't need to read it again. And he, I know what's in it. And I was like, you don't understand the beauty and the depth and the food that God has for you in His Word. Oh, I pray that we would all become, with God, God's help, and through this book, the type of people that have wise and gracious and kind words to share when someone is grieving because our hearts and souls have been fed in this book. That when you go through the deep and dark moments of which you surely will go through, you will have the Psalms stained in your Bible with your tears or with your pen marker. You will have learned and treasured the promises of God during the day and during the spiritual and emotional night of your life. And you will feed each other. And you will help each other. You will understand the Word of God so that you can bring it to your unbelieving friend or neighbor. And they know that your faith is real. There's so much to say about the Word of God today. And so I thought I would pick one passage that really hit me a couple weeks ago as I was thinking and praying about this series. It's in Nehemiah chapter 8 and 9. Before we get there, I want to challenge you and say that you and I need reformation in our lives. The church needs reformation. We haven't arrived. I haven't arrived. You haven't arrived. And what I mean by reformation is we need the return or going back to the right way in our lives so often. Our hearts are often prone to wander, prone to leave the God I love, prone towards a devotion of something else. If, you're, if, you're, if you have children, they're watching you. If your grandchildren, they're watching you. If you're a teenager, your friends are watching you. God has called you, young person, teenager. If you're 12, 10, 17, or 77, you are called to live in the Word of God and trust in Him. 
blessing is marked by something that during the wedding, at the end of the wedding, I said to Jared and Therese, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Be given to Aaron to bless the people of Israel. May the Lord cause his face to shine on you and may he give, shine his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Only God can bless with that kind of peace and countenance and grace. And there is no blessing ever to be expected to any of us that choose to live independent of God and in disobedience to God and his word. Where there is no prophetic word of God, the people will perish. Man does not live by bread alone. We do not live by bread alone. We live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And in the book of Nehemiah, it's the really, even though it's not at the end of your Old Testament, it really is the last words almost of the storyline that we find of the Old Testament before we get to the period between the Old and the New Testaments. God's people had been really bad. They had turned away from God over and over again. They did it in many different cycles, but now they're here to the end of the old, and we're at this place, and God said, I'm going to do what I told you I was going to do in Deuteronomy, and I'm going to make you a stench to the nations, and you were captured, and they were taken in exile, and they were brought to Babylon, and then they returned from Babylon, and God brought Ezra and Nehemiah and Ezra and Nehemiah and the, some, many people that came back who had been 70 years in captivity back to Jerusalem and to Israel. And, and, they, and it was a mess spiritually and physically. Yet they were learning their lesson and they wanted to turn to the Lord. And you find it like a little revival. You find a reformation going on in this time. But I want you to see how it happened. I want you to see what God was doing. I want to just read to you from Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe. Okay, what are they going to tell Ezra the scribe as they gather? Ezra, would you bring the book of the law of Moses that Yahweh commanded Israel? So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, all who understood what they heard, on the first day of the seven months. And he read from it from facing the square before the water gate from the early morning until midday. In the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And you can read on, and it says in verse 5, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people, and as he opened it, the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, that's Yahweh, he blessed their God, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads, and they worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And then it lists a bunch of leaders, Levites, who helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. They read from the book, from the law of God clearly, and they gave the thanks so that the people understood the reading. You find here that they responded and they fasted and they were confessed their sins and they worshiped the Lord 
They made a covenant to God at the end of chapter 9, and we're not going to go in detail into those passages, but I just want to bring out four things from this passage. I commend you, if you're going to go into the 30-30, I commend you to start by reading Nehemiah chapter 8 and 9. You could read that this afternoon. I encourage you to start today. And in this passage, I just want you to see four things. I want you to see four things about the Word of God in these passages. First of all, we see that the centrality of God's Word, and then the unity of God's people in the Word of God, and then we see the zealous response to God's Word, or the Word of God, and then we see the glorious God revealed in the Word of God. So I'm going to go through them really quick. I just want to challenge you towards this. I pray that, I have prayed, we have prayed that God would do work in our hearts towards His Word. I don't have to convince you to say that the Bible's important. Most of you will not even say, I know the Bible's important. Our prayers, the Holy Spirit would take His, His Word and give us a, a, a deep desire to fight against our selfish flesh that will keep us from being diligent Instead, we'll be tired, we'll be drifting in our minds, or all the things in this world that will just try to move us away from the Word, and yet we would feed on the goodness of God and His Word. First of all, I want you to see the centrality of the Word of God. You see this all over Nehemiah 8 and 9. You see it all over the Bible. The Word of God is our light. Here it says, they gathered in before the square, and they said, Ezra, please bring the book. And the Word of God was read to them. And they read the book of the law, and they clearly heard it, and they understood the reading. It says that day by day, in verse 18 of Nehemiah 8, he read from the book of the law, and they kept this feast seven days. It says that they, they took the word of God, and they worshiped, and they did it for a long time. The word of God was central. You just find from these two chapters, the word of God is vital for God's people to return. I, I came across this phrase, and so I liked it so much. I thought it was so helpful, and I think if you're going to take this seriously, you'll be helped by it. If you look in your bulletin in the back page where there's a note, there's a paragraph. I'm going to read that. And I want to give that to you so you can have this in your Bible, and you can use this. This has been my prayer that God will take this phrase, this truth, and make it such a reality in my life and in my children's life and my wife's life and your life. The words of the Bible are the very words of God, our Creator, speaking to us. Everyone can believe that. The reality is He's your Creator. You may not be your Savior yet, but I pray He will be your Savior. They are completely truthful. They are pure. There's, there's no error. They are powerful. They are wise and righteous. We should regard these words with reverence and awe and with joy and delight. Through these words, God gives us eternal life and daily nourishes in our spiritual life. God nourish your spiritual life, give you eternal life if you don't have.
may he take and give us a delight to enjoy in his word what the Greek reverence and awe we pray in God's word. The word of God is central. It is our life. By the word of God, you and I are born again. I believe that there are in every church people that are even members who are self-deceived about their salvation. They pray the prayer and ask Jesus in their heart. They believe they're saved. They're not. I believe that at times, and it's happened in the church and in history, where they've been they've committed themselves to the reading of the word of God, and God in his mercy brings spiritual life, and they're born again in them. And I pray that God might do that in some of you. Man does not live by bread alone. We do not live by bread alone. We live by God's word. reformation are you have you arrived have i arrived i do you love god with all your heart do you live upon his word i don't mean just live based on his word but upon it i need it i depend on it do you care for this soul and the souls of others like god calls you to do you give generously but not generously because you just have to but because your heart has been gripped by god's word serve with the strength that he provides? Do you understand the spiritual warfare that's in front of you and fighting against Satan who will come and attack you? You need God's word. Are you suffering? You need God's word and it needs to be quenched. Secondly, do you see the unity of God's word? I just want to bring this out. I, I read verses 8 and 9 and I just saw this wasn't a me and my Bible moment. Though 30 and 30 is kind of a me and my Bible moment, but it's more than that. It's all of us. That's why we put these bracelets on. It's kind of visible. I walk through the church and I see you have one on and go, oh yeah, we're doing this together. Not to show off, but to encourage each other and keep each other accountable. To pray for each other. Hey, how's it going? Has there been anything that's been really encouraging in your 30 and 30 each day? Has there been something that stood out to you that you can encourage me with today? There was a unity of God's word. It says that they gathered as one man, verse 1. They, they were together in this. Ezra, bring the word to us all. We need it. We gather on Sundays because we need together to gather. And I hope you see, I know that our services sometimes are long, but the purpose is there's just so much of God's word and we need to pray and we need to sing and we need to hear God's word and we do it one main time in the week and we want it to be so important and for you to just drink of God's word and eat of it every Sunday but we need and then on our own we exercise ourselves in order to be able to minister to one another there's a unity to God's word we find that they took lead, they call leaders to help them understand. Some of you, as you get going, are going to go, I need help. Where do I lead? Don't just stop because you didn't have help. Text or call me or the office or pastors or deacons or a, a brother or sister that you know is, is ahead of you in the faith, just is, is more mature, will help you. They'd be glad to encourage you in this. Oh, that we would have a unity together in our faith of reading God's word, that we may grow to know him. Thirdly, I just want you to see this 
Sabbath to God. If you were to read verses 8 and 9 all together, I'm just going to point out a few things. What was their response to God's word? It wasn't slothfulness. They didn't sleep at God's word. They didn't get bored at God's word. They weren't confused at God's word. All of those things can happen in our lives, and, and we're going we're gonna to have to fight those things because, boy, we have the flesh that is going to attack us and try to keep us from being in God's word, and the world will try to distract us, and Satan will do all he can. But here's their response. Verse 1, they were eager to learn. They were eager to hear. They said, Ezra, please, you need to bring the book. And they were serious and earnest. I mean, they were so serious and earnest in their response to God's word that they, from early morning until midday, they had a service where Ezra read the word and explained it. That could be a six-hour worship service. And by the way, they were standing for it. And the ears of the people, and then they were attentive. They weren't drifting. They weren't on their smartphones. They didn't have them, but they weren't on whatever else they would have to distract them. It says the ears of the people were attentive to the book of the law because they recognized this is important. It says they were reverent. Verse 5, when Ezra opened the book in the sight of the people, all the people stood and he read. They were expressive. When God, when they read, they didn't just sit around there, but they, they said, amen. That means I agree. I agree. So be it. I'm holding myself to that. And they bowed their heads and they worshiped the Lord on their faces. On the ground. They understood the word of God. And I think they, they, they wrestled to understand God's word. Verses 8 and 12. And they obeyed God. They found something in, in verses 14 through 16. They came across something that they hadn't been doing to keep the booth. And they said, we got to do that. We haven't been doing that. Let's start doing that. And they and they they obeyed the word of the Lord. They responded with humility. As the word of God was read, their hearts were brought under conviction and they confessed. It says in verse nine, chapter nine, verse three, for a quarter of their time they made confession and they worshiped the Lord their God. Oh, that we would go into the 30s by 30 each challenge in order to respond to God's word. I'm going to just give, I'm going to end by a few tips to give you here in a minute. That we would go and say, God, help me to do obeyed obedience and help me to respond with humility and help me to respond with, with a reverence and attentiveness. I need your help, God. The last thing I saw too, I can't do this one justice. But we see the glorious God revealed in the Word of God, and this is where I want to point you to. I, I'm calling you to every day being in God's Word and set this thing. But don't be in God's Word so you can just learn a bunch of facts and you can do a quiz. We won't have a quiz for you, by the way. It won't do you any good. You won't impress anybody by your Bible knowledge. You won't impress, you won't impress God at all. It's good to have some Bible knowledge. Only if you in a different way. Your goal of reading this word is to know the God of this word. The goal of reading this word is to only understand the central person of this word, which is your Redeemer and Savior God through Jesus Christ. 
Your goal is to know and come under a deeper personal relationship with the creator God who is a savior God who said, I'm going to reveal myself to a people so that they may know me and, and as they know me and know my character and my wisdom and my love and my mercy and my kindness, but also my holiness and my perfections and my righteousness and my zeal and my my relentlessness and my faithfulness that you would obey me and know that it's for your good and that you would know that I love you and I will never leave you and I have given you promises in which you walk this life with and you cling to those promises if you're my child. In this passage, chapter 9, verses 16 through the end of the chapter pretty much, we find the cliff notes of the Old Testament, kind of. We find cliff notes throughout the Bible of what I mean by that is an abridgment of all, a summary of what God did from the beginning, especially with Abraham, calling his people up to this time in their rebellion, but God's blessing and the Red Sea and all of that. But it's a masterpiece display of God. My call to you this season As we end the summer, sorry, but the summer is coming to an end. We can't resist it. And as we enter the school year or the fall season, let us do that, not drifting or coasting, but arming ourselves with the words of God, saying, oh God, I want to know you. I I need you more than I've ever known you. I need you for the hard times, and I need you in the good times. In fact, we need them in the good times. It is the most easy to spiritually drift when things are going well. So, I want to I challenge you in closing with a 30-30 challenge. 30 days in a row where we commit individually to drink, being in the Word for 30 minutes per day. The Word and prayer. We're not like, oh, did 30, was it actually ring, ring? you to sign your name so we'll pray for you and take a wristband young and old encourage you to do this as a family if you miss a day don't give up keep keep going satan would love for you to embrace some kind of perfectionism i did i messed up and it's no use we're going to make a voluntary commitment together do you know that if you read 15 minutes a day you can read the whole Bible in less than two weeks. It's not even asking you to read the whole Bible in one day. But the words of the Bible carry truth. They are the words of God, your creator, speaking to you. They're absolutely true and they're pure and they're powerful. And they're wise and they're righteous. And we should read them with reverence and awe and joy and delight. And through these words, he gives us eternal life and he gives us, he nourishes our souls. Here are four things that I want to challenge you with. You have in your insert, the one side had the covenant and the second side had the 30-30 and I wanted to lay these out for you so that you can use them if they would be a help to you. I think these would be helpful for you as you embrace 30-30. 
You'll see that Psalm 1, 1 through 3 is on the wristband. It's also in the box. It says, His delight is in the law of the Lord, and His delight in the meditation day and night. I'm going to first of all commend you or call you to read broadly and meditate on small passages of Scripture. What I mean by that is, thirty. what do I do for 30 minutes? Well, read broadly and meditate on small passages. What does that mean? Well, take the Bible, and I'm going to give you some suggested plans, a few things. Read a chapter. And as you read a chapter, you might come to one verse. Oh, that stood out to me. It said that God is near to those who are humble and broken in spirit. I need to think on that for a while. I read this by David Mathis in his Habits of Grace, and I put the whole quote there for you. Would you think of your Bible reading as regularly surveying the biblical landscape of the Bible? When you're reading, say you read five chapters. Well, you can't focus deeply on everything in five chapters. That's a lot. But you still do it. But you're surveying the landscape. And every once in a while, you need to find a spot to settle down for a few moments and meditate on, which is the high point and richest moment of Bible intake. When you're studied or you'll stop and you'll sometimes, you'll, you'll seek to understand and you'll do some research You'll pose questions and seek answers and consult resources and reflect on that. But then there's a place of, of, I'm not reading the whole thing, but here, but there's a time when we are to dig for God's word, and then we're going to come up with jewels that we just need to treasure. And those, those jewels are commentaries. And, and I encourage you to do both. So I'm going to give a plan that says read some chapters, but then stop on a verse and meditate on a verse. Secondly, big point, make a plan. I think you'll be most helped if you have a plan. And what I mean by that is make a plan of when you're going to do it in the day. Most have found that starting out the morning is the best way. Some it might be at late at, right before bed, but be careful lest you are too tired. Maybe it's at a lunch hour. If you're starting out and say, the only time I think I'm going to do it is listening to something in the car, that is better than, that, that, is, that is good. But we want to go past the fact that we just go after something when we're driving. The only time I will listen to my wife is, hey, hey I don't want to talk to you. I'm going to have a commute. I'll talk to you then. Boy, we wouldn't have a good marriage if that were the only time I would talk to my wife. So don't make your commute the only time you listen to God or talk to him. But it's a great time to do it. I don't want to minimize it either. In the house, find out where you're going to do it. Maybe it's in your bedroom. Don't do it out laying on your bed. That's, that's really unhelpful. Uh, sit in a chair, a table, a couch, outside on the porch. And in your Bible, make a plan. I, I would just suggest start with Mark. Read a chapter. Read, you can read through Mark real quickly. But read a chapter or two and meditate. Or maybe read a chapter of Mark and then read Romans 1 and then Psalms 1. Each day, read, go, go through different parts and sometime you'll go through it and you won't find anything that will jump out at you, but you never know how God is going to use it in your word. And then sometime, say you're in Psalms and you go, wow, that hit me. I want to think about that for the rest of the day. 
third point is sandwich your time in prayer. Sandwich the time that you're reading in prayer. What I mean by that is start in prayer, do it during your during your reading, and then finish in prayer. What I mean by that is this: I say, God, as I go to your word now, would you please help me to see your word as I need to see it? There's a lot of promises in God's word or prayers, like in Psalm 119. Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things in your word. God, would you open my eyes? Because my eyes are naturally not going to see what I need to see. Would you do that? So we, op- we open in prayer. And then during the prayer, as I'm reading, I'm reading Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. God, what does that mean as I'm going on today? God, thank you. Thank you that you take care of all my needs. And so you pray during. And then, and then you might hear about these needs. Oh, God, I have this need today. God, I'm anxious about our money, and I'm anxious about this, my son who's struggling here, and I'm anxious about this work situation. I'm sure anxious about school and this homework that I have or this race that I'm doing or whatever that's happening. Oh, God, help me. And then you end it by, God, God, thank you for your word. Help me tomorrow. Help me today. Help me tomorrow as I read and today the rest of the day. My last point is this, my last suggestion. Focus on God right in front of you in the meantime as you read. Focus on God. Your goal isn't to have to have some Bible knowledge. It is to grow in a personal relationship with God. Focus on God, His character, and His commands. I would suggest to you to take a notebook, and as you read, if you did what I just suggested, if you read Mark, write down things that stand out to you about God or Jesus. He cares about lepers. Who are lepers? They're the outcasts. He cares about outcasts. And you read in Psalm 1, God's word delights souls. That's the type of God he is. Write about his character. Think about his character. You can ask questions like this. What does the passage tell me about God and the Father and what is in Jesus? Or how can I love and trust obey God more. And what does God demand of me? What does he call me to? My last suggestion as we wrap up is this. There is, if you're wondering, what do I do? You're still wondering, how do I have a plan? There's the longest book in, there's the longest chapter in the Bible, which is Psalm 119. Psalm 119. You have that written on the bottom of this note. I got to go with Lee and my my older kids to Isle Royal, and it was awesome to not have technology on there. I didn't have my phone. I didn't bring books except the Bible. We spent a lot of time in Psalm 119, and it hit me this way. So I encourage you to meditate, take Psalm 119, start working through it. These things hit me. This guy delights in God's word. This guy, this guy delights in God's word. This guy is determined to keep God's word. This guy depends on God's word and God. This guy is committed to doing God's word. I encourage you to go through that passage with these questions in mind. What verse shows me his desire or his delight, his determination, his dependency, his willingness to do it? God, help us to make the word of God central 
together, helping and building each other up. May we respond to God's word. And may we look to the God who reigns. And let's end with this. Jesus Christ is God's word come in the flesh. He is our greatest need when we need him in our life. If you've never had him come into your life and take away your sins and remove your guilt, and if you ever put your trust and your faith in him, would you do that this morning as you come to him? He opens the gate of your word to you. He is the Lord of the world. And he is the only Savior we do look to. Let's pray. Father, we come and would you finish this song? We would finish with this song of Speak, O Lord. I pray that this song would be a song that we would then, we would make for this week as we go into reading and seeking to take your word into our hearts and our lives. Would we just make this song an offering of, of dedication to you? In Jesus' name.